0: I don't always want to make impact films. I mean, really, what I I go into this for is I just want to make good movies. Um, But I do think good movies do have an impact in some way, whether they have an emotional impact or somebody sees themselves in that story in some way, or it sparks a larger conversation. So this film has had sort of a more kind of explicit, articulated impact and impact campaign um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just really interested in what are stories that really touch people and show them something that they never thought about or, or, or have never seen before in that way um, on screen.
1: Hi, I'm Chris Waddell. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold. Say yes to adventure. Say yes to living it. Welcome to Chris Waddell, Living It, where we talk with experts in the experience of being human. Today, we have Beth Levison on, who is an Emmy and Peabody Award-winning director and producer, owner of Hazel Pictures, a graduate level instructor at the School of Visual Arts. She did the movie Storm Lake, was a co-director in that, which which is taking off right now. Beth, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thanks for being here, Chris. It's really nice.
1: This is, and I guess I should also say that, that Beth and I have known each other since college, so which was a couple of years ago. No.
0: Yeah, more than a few.
1: <laughs> more than a few. It's amazing. I mean, looking at, looking at Storm Lake, it was awesome to watch Storm Lake and to see the story of a small town newspaper. You and I grew up in small towns and had those small town newspapers that got delivered. I mean, um, the paper boy showed up and, and brought it to your, to your door or your, or your step or whatever it was. But to see that and to see the importance of it, and especially given how much things have changed within our world and, and the conglomerate world of, of newspapers and information and all of that, how was the idea of going to a story like that going to Storm Lake and and really I guess that this is more of an essential kind of question of like what's the view that you take as a documentary filmmaker to look at a story like that like when do you get onto a story and go this is the story this is what I want to tell
0: yeah so uh Storm Lake has a good origin story I think um so I teach at the school for visual arts and Another instructor there is a guy named Jerry Rishus. He teaches cinematography. He's he's an incredible guy. And we always wanted to work together. And I used to call him, hey, are you free to shoot this? Are you free to shoot that? And he was never free. And then in, I think it was 2018, um, he reached out to me and he said, I, I discovered the story and I, I want to make a film it's about this guy he's a newspaper man in Iowa and I can't tell you how many times people approach me and say I have a really good idea for a documentary and so of course I trusted Jerry a little bit more he's a cinematographer he has a great track record but
1: and he's was from Iowa right? and he's Grew up from Iowa
0: yeah but he, that wasn't part of his pitch at the time so um, so yeah so anyway, he didn't have a great pitch, to be honest. Um, And he knows that too. And I was also really busy at the time. And I was doing two other two or three other movies. So anyway, but I liked Jerry so much. And I was like, Jerry, I'd love to talk to you. I'm just really busy. I'm just really busy. And then in the summer, um, he reached out to me and he said, I don't know if you saw the New York Times today, but there's an op-ed by art that guy that I want to make a film about did you read the times yet and so I crack open my computer and I read this op-ed and basically it made me cry and the editorial was called in my town we need immigrants I'd never heard a voice like this before I hadn't heard this perspective you know from Iowa um and uh, and then i also rewatched jerry had shot had spent an afternoon with art and i rewatched the 6 minute reel which was really rough but all of a sudden i was like wait a minute there's a glimmer of someone really interesting here and it was literally an instantaneous decision and i you know reached out to jerry and i said this is amazing let's talk and so, you know, we really talked about that Jerry is from Iowa. He grew up on a hog farm. That he had gone to Iowa and met with the Art, and um, and and so what, what what was there was this kernel, uh, but Jerry, you know, had never developed a feature film idea before. So we really started working very closely together and really developed a proposal and an approach, and um, and you know, within three months, I think, we raised our first money so that we could start shooting in early 2019. And I guess I would say that that really crystallizes, you know, the way I make decisions as a as a documentary filmmaker is, you know, have I seen this story before? Why do I think it's important? And And it did resonate with me because I did grow up in this small town in the berkshires of massachusetts and i was in the local newspaper and i read the local newspaper and i kind of knew what it meant you know making this film was really such a journey i learned so much about local news that i'd never thought of you know so that's the thing is when you make these films you know for me there has to be that moment of identification of spark of connection you know, and have I seen this story before, but then they take on a life of their own and really become more than you ever imagined, at least when it's, I think, a good movie.
1: Well, that's part of it, isn't it? Because you have to go on that journey to learn about Iowa, to learn about small town newspapers. The Colonel and the the character, I would imagine, was really captivating because art sort of looks like a descendant of Mark Twain, right? Right he had taken on big agriculture and won a Pulitzer Prize. So this wasn't right. just sort of some small town with some small town newspaper. It was a small town newspaper with a character yeah, and with a voice. Yeah. And, and is that where you look at it and go, okay, we can, w- there's a story here, but yeah. we also have a vehicle for the story. The guy who's going to push it forward and be captivating on screen. Is that how it works or?
0: Well, I think you just have to, think about what, you, well, that is how it worked. I will say initially we thought it was going to be a film about Art Cullen and his newspaper. And then what was so interesting is that we went out, Jerry and I were able to raise money. We, were, we went out for a first five day shoot and we were like, wait a minute. I mean, his brother is the publisher. His wife is the uh, you know human interest stories reporter and photographer. Art's son is the lead reporter, um, and we realized, oh, this is a this is a, a family story, and each one of them was so interesting, so there was this evolution. That's when it really became much more interesting when we realized, oh, this is an ensemble film. It's not just about art. It's really about a family and a family business, but then, uh, then maybe on a second or third shoot, Art kept talking about how a community is only as strong as its newspaper and a newspaper is only as strong as its community and i right. was like yeah newspaper yeah." in
1: banks right
0: yeah and i was like yeah 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 but then the more we started filming we really re- we we understood what he was saying and that a newspaper is really core to a health of the health of a community and that uh, and and vice versa so You know, it really was this evolutionary thing, and then also as we spent more time in this particular town that is so full of immigrants from all over the world, so it was a, you know, I I think we had a sense, but you know we also got really lucky it was a it's a, it, the newspaper that office was so rich at every any given moment and then the community was is so rich and then it, all of this was unfolding at a certain moment in you know America's own story so it was an incredible incredible experience and that's why i love making documentary films so much is is that is that experience you know it's not just about putting it on screen, but there's a lived experience in making the films too that, that changes you. And, um, and and that's part of what I really love about the process.
1: What's that journey like for you? Because effectively you have to become an expert right. in Iowa, in big agriculture, in immigration, in small town newspapers. You know where it, it's kind of interesting and especially in that our lives it seems like have become bigger and bigger and sort of more transient kind of thing it was like you know back in the day it was like you would marry someone within a 12 mile radius of you right because because you didn't go anywhere else right i mean this is right whereas now it's kind of like it's so easy to hop on a plane and go have a meeting here or meeting there or whatever but the sense of community is, is something that in some ways we kind of it's easy enough to lose as our life becomes so much easier to move from place to place and you might not necessarily even know your neighbors or or those kinds of things. What is that journey like for you to get immersed in a community in Iowa, to get immersed in small town newspaper and, and all of the issues that are involved?
0: Well, the I mean, this movie really took me by surprise because so many times it's just a really deep and rich learning experience and um and i'm always just so grateful for it that it that i that my work is constantly challenging my assumptions and challenging what i think i know and showing me
1: (laughs) how little i do
0: you know but this film was really unexpected for me and that it became my form of activism in 2020 and 2021 even and you know we're still pushing the film out there so you know we launched a year ago at the full frame documentary film festival and then we had a crazy amazing you know festival run theatrical run academy run um and then we were doing community screenings um from day one of our festival release And what's incredible is that it's still happening. It's, you know, so it that that this film really was different, and that uh, I felt like it allowed me to put my head down and work on a project that could really have um, widespread impact because. Local newspapers, they really are a pillar of our democracy and our democracy is so threatened right now. We are so polarized. These newspapers really once did hold us together In some places they still do, but they're kind of dropping like flies. So yeah, so the journey is always different on every film, but this one uh, really kind of uh, grabbed my heart and my soul and my head and my activist spirit and what was amazing too is just, you know, when you build these incredible relationships, which is something I'm sure you're accustomed to too, but just to have people embrace you in their lives and trust you and then, and then how that kind of cements um, a relationship, you know, forever. So uh, it, it, that, that project's been super powerful and sort of uh, life-changing. And, and then to go around the country with it and what, wherever we screen the film, we always pair with a local newspaper so that, and maybe the Q&A, maybe the editor is part of the Q&A or moderates a QA. and a but it, and, and what's amazing is when we have these screenings and I actually drop away, and what happens is, is then a conversation between that representative from the local newspaper and the community, and they actually discover that they know so little about each other the needs of each other and or that there's what there are things that they could do better and so that's been incredibly powerful to just sort of see those conversations happen and um yeah so it's been really it's it's been amazing and exhausting and tiring but but it's good tiring yeah
1: well it's it's an interesting thing because so, like in the documentary world, right? You, this is something. This is a film that is successful that can that can help you make that next film. Yeah, it's part of it. Your mission with your company with Hazel Pictures is to produce mind-opening documentary films that tell stories about artists, iconoclasts, and the issues of our time. Yeah, which you know is is a great thing. But then you're also you're on the cutting edge like how comfortable is that i mean you're you're pushing the envelope of like people are are sort of like well this is our comfortable life this is this is what we know and you're going hold on but you haven't seen this thing over here yeah. i need to help you see this thing over here yeah. so so you're pushing people to a certain extent into into an uncomfortable potentially position and you're riding the wave of that uncomfortable position to then be able to to do the next thing what's What does that feel like as a filmmaker and as a, as a human being?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm really pushing myself right now. I'm developing, I'm in the late development, early production stages on a new project um, directed by a dear friend and colleague Marilyn Ness. and um, and we're I'm producing a play. And then the documentary is about, in some ways, about the making of that play. But the documentary allows us to go much deeper into the themes of the play that you can't address sort of explicitly because the play is a self-contained world. So I, you know, I guess I'm just finding that um, there's what I'm excited about in the whole thing is just this opportunity to be on the to be on the front lines of all different kinds of stories and to continue to push myself. And what's so interesting is I think that we're also at a moment where uh, form, different forms of storytelling are converging and emerging. So like podcasts, um, and there's so much interplay between podcasts and visual media, and then, you know, plays and, and films are starting to intersect more. And so I'm really enjoying being and, and pushing myself to sort of be in that mix to reach people where they are or in the in the best way that you know I possibly can and so yeah so I'm also so I feel like I'm trying to push in terms of content and storytelling but also in terms of media and so it's I'm it's it's great, and but it's also it's definitely challenging, but it's really exciting, and that's what we're here to do. Like we're here to we're here to learn, and we're here to grow, and hopefully we can make, help others to learn and grow. And so that's that's sort of what I'm about. And I guess I would also say, in that spirit, um, I find that I tend to work mostly with women filmmakers. And and many times emerging filmmakers, and I really love that as well, helping to get new voices, you know, up on their feet and telling their stories, and 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 broadening the the um, the field of voices that is out there.
1: When we were talking before we started, you were saying that you're a word person. When you when you're but you 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 play in a visual medium. <laughs> As well. So how, how do you, when you're putting together a movie, are you looking at the word side of it? Is that what you're attracted to? Is it the visual side? It's kind of like the music thing, right? Is it, is it the words or the, is it the lyrics or is it the music that attracts you? How do you, how do you look at it and create that in your own mind?
0: Yeah. So you are taking me back to, I once interviewed to work on a show and I, I did not get the job many, it was many, many years ago when I was actually in television. Um, but I just, I felt like I had this great, like, mind meld connection with the director that I was talking to. And she said, it's interesting. She said, you have a writer's brain. Um, and so uh, I'd never thought of that before. And I am a visual person, but there is no question that I have a writer's brain and I think it's helped me as a documentary filmmaker. I mean, I hate to say it's so much of what we do, A, is that we have to write proposals and we have to be able to, uh, you know, whether it's by email or it's a 15 page proposal, we have to be able to express the story that we want to tell in a way that's really compelling. And so writing is a really big part of what we do. So. I think that, I think that that really helps me. And then, you know, I think that we are writing stories, even when we are telling them visually, at least that's how I think about it. I know that there are, you know, filmmakers out there that come thoroughly from the, um, the visual side, but I sort of write stories in my head simultaneously to thinking about them uh, visually. I just wanna say that I'm working on this project that I'm not really allowed to talk about that it's been in the work for 10 years, but it's with a, uh, a musician who's a very well-known musician. And um, and you know he apologizes every time we talk about the cut. He said, I think in music, I'm, I'm sorry. It's the only way I know how to think. And so it, he's really thinking about the, the, the cadence of the storytelling and the rhythm of the storytelling. So what's great and amazing about documentary filmmaking is that it's a team sport. And, you know, you've you've got directors, you've got producers, you've got editors, and you've got cinematographers. And any film is at the intersection of all those crafts. So, you know, I think I ha- I do, I I think I have a strong writer sensibility and a strong visual sensibility, but I know. I like to work with a really good cinematographer who's gonna really make a film that much more visual, that much more beautiful. And then of course, it's the editor, you know who's really working with your material and what you gathered. So um, yeah, so words are super important to me, and i i and and I, I also think that um, you know it's a craft that's also about listening and um, and I'm very interested in in the act of listening and and what is listening and then what do you do with what you're hearing and so yeah so it's it it's an yeah so i'm a word person but it it it, it does manifest itself visually but sometimes on the page too and i'm finishing a 15 page proposal right now so yeah
1: Well, that's the hard part about documentary film too, right? Is that it's not like you write your script and then you shoot your script. You write your idea of what's going to happen and you kind of cast, you don't really cast. and And then you don't really, you sort of know what the story is going to be, but then afterwards you have to figure out what the story is that you have because you can't put something in the story that you didn't shoot because then that's not because it's not there, right? Yeah,
0: but this is where the listening comes in, right? right? I mean, you go in with an idea and you have to decide, are you gonna stick with that idea wholly and solely, or are you actually going to respond to what's actually happening? And I would say the best films are those that do respond to what's happening. And it can be cataclysmic and terrifying, but, you know, so like, and I'll just give two examples. You know, I made this film, I produced this film, Women in Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director is an incredible woman, dear official. It's about women uh, with the Minneapolis Police Department who were trying to kind of fight their way to doing a better job um, in public safety.
1: And a woman and, leader, right, in the uh, yeah, police department yeah,
0: as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, first of all, within three months of filming, that, that female chief, Chief Harteau, stepped down. So she was supposed to be the main character of the film. And then three months in, she stepped down. So, you know, that was a moment of, okay, we have to decide what to do here. And that really changed our approach to the film. And then we started to focus on other women in the police department, but really, you know, a thing that happened with that film is that we finished the film. It was supposed to premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival, but COVID happened. And so we actually weren't programmed. So we actually had our premiere screening um, at the Minneapolis St. Paul International Film Festival. That was our first public screening, even though technically it was a Tribeca premiere um and 36 hours later George Floyd was killed and you know it's a film about the Minneapolis Police Department and so we literally had to reel back we you know we we understood we now cannot release a film about the Minneapolis Police Department that we filmed before George Floyd's murder we can't release that now now that this has happened so we brought back in the film we we continued to film and then we spent another six weeks in the edit and we had to kind of create a new film and you know we had a choice actually we didn't have to do that but we knew that the film really couldn't have a life but didn't and the world changed and we had to respond to that so that was really um unbelievable also to just be in the middle of that and you know, when the third precinct was burning um, after George Floyd's murder, I mean, we had shot in the third precinct. Uh, So just to be in the middle of that was so intense. And, you know, and then later with Storm Lake, what was unbelievable is, you know, when we were filming, we knew that Storm Lake, Iowa was a meatpacking town. You know, we knew that, we knew that about Storm Lake. And then when COVID hit, there were all these national stories about meatpacking workers and how COVID was spreading like wildfire through the plants. And so what was so interesting is Jerry and I, for a moment, we got really scared because we weren't done filming. And so we thought, is this the end of the movie? And then Jerry's a cinematographer. He has all of his camera equipment in his basement. We decided, let's do these Zoom interviews and let's, continue to track the story. And if anyone watches the film, the language of the film changes at that moment, all for the better, I would say, because we learned two things. It didn't come immediately either. I mean, all these decisions take, you know, six weeks of excruciating decision-making. But first we decided that we would keep interviewing Art, Dolores, John, Tom um, via Zoom. Um, But then we also realized, wait a minute, we're making a film about a newspaper. And part of our thesis is that as the role a newspaper plays in its community. So we decided, and this was, I'm quoting our graphics designer. She was like, let's really get into the guts of the newspaper. So in that section of the film, really the story is told through the newspaper. So we really move in really tightly into the (laughs) newspaper and the headlines and the photographs to let the newspaper tell its community story for us, intercut with these interviews. So, you know, it it gets to, yes, you go in with a kernel of an idea, but you never know what's going to happen. And so it's really about listening and how true are you gonna be to that story? And I really believe in being true to the story as, as much as you can in those 90 minutes, to the best of your ability, you know, what, so, and, and I, and that's, so, I, I focus on something called verite filmmaking, which is more scene-driven, telling a story as it's unfolding, that's what I'm, I'm interested in, I'm interested in that ride, you know, and, um, and, you know, what turn are you going to make at the gate, you know, but, um, but then I did do a historical film, which is another animal, so, anyway, it's, it's, I do think it's a lot about uh, uh, listening and sometimes it can be hard and scary when you actually do uh, because you have to make difficult decisions and veer from your original intention.
1: So, yeah, I mean, this, this idea of, of listening, have you always been a good listener or is this something that you've developed as you've moved on with your career?
0: I think I have been a good listener, but I am actively working to learn to listen better. So yes, I think I've always been a good listener and I'm very interested in in other people and other people's experiences and hungry for that. So I think that's part of the reason that I do what I do. Um, But uh, I will say I'm dying to figure out what, but I, anyway, I'm reading a book right now on listening um, that I'm just finding so fascinating, um, which uh, has this chapter that talks about when you're talking to somebody and you're really connecting with them and you feel like you're having like a mind meld. So neuroscientists have mapped people's brains when that is happening. And actually, The brains are yielding, are showing similar patterns, mirrored patterns. So that when you're really listening and connecting, something physiological, neurological is happening. So anyway, I'm just I'm interested in listening. I think we're in a moment in time where people are not listening. We're yelling at each other, you know, from different sides of the ring, and then we come out swinging, and um, and so. I am interested in this for my craft, but I'm also interested in this at a at a meta level because you know we're so good at posting selfies and putting out our brand image and putting out who we are, and that's such a value that is placed in society. And this book that I'm reading talks about. Um, You know how we value debate clubs and you know all that good debaters and good speakers and ted talkers and all this stuff but what about listening and so um so yeah you're capturing me in a moment where i'm actively thinking about listening and trying to actively listen better
1: it's it's i i studied acting for a little bit and one of the things that my professor said is that the best actors were actually the best listeners which is so different than when, what you think, right? You're like, okay, I'm in and here's my line and I get to do my line. And that's when I'm, I'm showing how good I am or whatever or contributing to the scene or whatever it is. But he said, no, is actually the best listeners are the best actors. Like that's where you're getting, that's where you're getting the reaction to whatever somebody else is, is saying. And, and so the listening part is interesting. The journey you went on with the meatpacking and so much of the meatpacking are is the immigrant population and which is which is kind of funny for the rest of the country in some ways that we look at iowa and we think Iowa is in the middle of the country like why why would you have a whole lot of immigrants in the country but then there's also the the newspaper that is that is barely surviving they have their coffee can with their (laughs) with their with their money in it okay well i can take a couple of bucks out to go buy whatever i need to buy right now but then an immigrant came in and and essentially helped not not a not a mexican immigrant which there are a lot of mexicans but but john two who came in and and made a donation that actually helped the future of the of the newspaper allowed the newspaper to, to combine with with its chief competitor. And how, how does that circle, and obviously you as, as the film played a role mm. in John 2
0: mm.
1: at Kingston Technologies, seeing mm. their story and wanting to get involved and wanting to contribute to a nonprofit organization that is helping helping to fund the newspaper, helping mm. to fund journalism. How How exciting is that? as mm-hmm. a movie maker mm-hmm. to see that you took a story that was an interesting story, but then this interesting story takes on momentum and a life of its own.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's been really amazing. I mean, I'll never, so when we, we screened the film for the Cullen family um, before we finished it. So basically it was almost done and we wanted them to know what was going out in the world. And so we wanted to give them a chance to see it. Um how nerve-wracking was... is that? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny because we had a, it, the projection was terrible. It was we, you know, we brought the film to screen it. We, we we went out to Iowa to do it. And um, and I'll never forget Dolores saying, Well, first of all, one of the most moving things, I'm going taking a little bit of a cul-de-sac here, but um Dolores was so proud to see Tom at working, like to see Tom in the film because they're all working so hard doing their own thing and sort of in their own zone. They're not, you know, Dolores isn't always going out and seeing her son at work. And so first of all, she was so proud of Tom and just to see that was so amazing. But she also said, we're just regular people. Like she couldn't believe that we made this film about her. We're just about her family. We're just regular people. And then just the whole, yeah, that the film, you know, John, too, actually heard an interview with Art on Fresh Air Art and, they, and Fresh Air invited Art on the show because of the film. But, yeah, just that impact has been incredible, you know, what it means for the Cullen family, you know, what it means for the Storm Lake community, what it means for Buena Vista County, um, you know, And as I said, this is my, like, it became my form of activism. So, okay, we help secure the life of local news in in a community. And and that's just felt really um, meaningful. So, yeah, I guess I just want to add one more thing. I really believe in giving credit where credit is due. And so I realized, so the book that I'm reading is called You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. And it's really kind of amazing. And I've been listening to it as I drive with my children. And it's pretty funny because my kids are like, I can't listen to this anymore. <laughs> it
1: was great. Well it's funny that you talked about Dolores because she had one of, I think one of the most intimate moments in the film when she was watching art on television and she had and she had the rabbit in her lap and she was feeding her toast to the she was eating the rabbit would eat and then she would eat. Yeah. And it was just it it just and she was so excited to see art on television yeah it's it's just i mean one of those things i'd imagine it doesn't happen in every movie but you you achieved um you achieved some real intimacy with with this group was that something that came about initially or did it kind of take time for them to get comfortable with you how did Mm -mm. how did that work
0: yeah Well, when you make these films, trust is such an important part of the equation. And I really think, you know, Jerry, my directing partner was so, is such a natural at helping to cultivate that in a way. Art describes him as melting butter. Like he's just so warm. And also that Jerry is from Iowa, and he grew up on a hog farm and he could speak the local language and you know they'd start talking about acreage or parcels of land and there's a particular vernacular and Jerry knows the vernacular and so i mean i think that we were able to build that trust pretty quickly in some ways because we also really let them do what they needed to do we didn't get in their way we respected the job that they had and And so I think that they saw that we were listening and watching. So we really, I think we did develop that trust, but Dolores is unique in that Dolores could just really tune us out and completely be herself um, Mm. on, on camera. And that always struck us as being so interesting. But what's so funny about that scene, so this is like a behind the scenes moment, but, you know, we knew that art was going to be on television that morning and that you know we wanted to capture Dolores watching art. And we were really disorganized that morning, like the whole crew. And, and we were always a small crew. It was Jerry and me and we had a sound woman and we had an assistant camera, so it was small. But um, that morning we were really disorganized and all of a sudden art was on TV and we were still kind of like, Getting set up and running around the room, and, and our editor told us this that like the footage was a mess. And then in that moment when <laughs> Dolores, when we saw what was happening with the toast and the bunny, everybody stopped. Everybody got quiet, and we got the moment, which was but but we were it, it, so it, it feels like this you know kind of really well shot moment and and all this stuff, but but we we were we were so unprepared and chaotic but we landed right in the nick of time.
1: <laughs> you got lucky. So, yeah, yeah, we got
0: lucky. So our editor Rachel Schumann always says, "I can't believe you got it" cuz she could tell in the footage it was just that we were disorganized and and we were probably coming from somewhere else and you know we were resetting and getting our you know cards together and all that stuff. So, I don't know. It was funny. Yeah. The best story. scenes, the best scenes always have the best behind the scenes stories.
1: <laughs> that is exactly it. They're in a similar situation to you guys in some ways though, right? Because as newspaper people, they're taking a story and they're telling a story. Yes. You're showing yeah. up in Iowa and you're telling their story, yes. but you're also telling it through your own prism. I mean, you're you, you've, you, you've been all over the map in terms of subject matter. I mean, talking about women and women and police. A, a woman who who died from a, from thirty two pills, right? I mean, this is. I mean, you've got. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some some beautiful to small town newspaper, but at the same time, you're always telling your story in in, in some way, aren't you? And how mm. does that work to reconcile that with with the subject, so that mm. it's not you just running with it and telling telling your story or using them as a vehicle to tell your story?
0: Mm. Well, um, okay. Well, first of all, you know, that's part of why the Collins agreed to make this film with us. They, you know, art would always say, you know, I'm sticking my nose in other people's business. I should let these filmmakers stick their noses in mine. So, you know, so, but yeah, there, I mean, look, I think there's so much that we all share and, it might not be readily apparent, but I, I think in all the films that I make, there is a point of deep connection um, that might, again, it might not be on the surface, but it's there. And, you know, so like with, with Storm Lake, I mean, there's that moment that I talked about earlier with COVID when we thought, oh, no, is the movie over? You know, they were worried, is the newspaper over? you know our is is our is our livelihood in danger and Jerry and I were thinking is this film and and our project in danger you know we were super worried about them and we were also worried about the movie so you know and i think you know so we were in in, in the same place sort of at the same time which then only creates i think connection between you and your Um, you and your subjects. And even with Women in Blue, I mean, this film is about women, you know, trying to feel empowered in their police department, in a police department that was almost, you know, historically and almost entirely uh, white men. And sort of as a, as a female filmmaker, I, I understand that dynamic and relate to that to that, to that struggle. And, you know, I, I always think about my first film, uh, Lemon, which was about a poet performer, Lemon Anderson, and his fight to end sort of generations of um, struggle through the writing of his play. There was a moment where, again, sort of like Storm Lake in some ways, but we didn't know if his play was going to get off the ground and my partner Laura on that film and I we had invested so much in this film and if his play didn't get off the ground then our movie like what was going to happen to it and he was struggling as an artist as a and and we were struggling as first-time filmmakers and so you know what I think is that that connection is really powerful I think everybody feels it you know, whether it's the subject and the person, people behind the camera, and, and or it's the, the audience. And I think that that's why there's such a conversation happening right now about, you know, who should tell whose story? You know, should anybody tell anybody's story? And or are there times where someone is much better suited to tell this story uh, than perhaps you are? And I, I was just I'm trying to figure out how to... There's a film that I would love to make. I think there's a great story there. I was just talking to a friend about it yesterday. Um, It's about a a restaurant um, that I think is really fascinating. Uh, Well, I'm just going to put it on screen. There's this incredible uh, restaurant in Minneapolis and it has a Sioux chef, S-I-O-U-X. And the whole story of this restaurant and how the industrialization of our food system has erased native cuisine and how we don't use ingredients anymore that were once foundational in, 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 in native cooking. And, and, I, and I was, I went to this restaurant, I spoke to the people who run it who said people are coming from all over from all from all over the world. And they start to cry when they're eating because they might. Be of indigenous descent, and they this this food has been erased from the culture, and it's so moving. So there's just an, an incredible thing there, but it's not my story to tell. You know, I mean, I I it, it's just not. Um, I've had an entirely different life experience. So yeah, I think you know uh, that point of connection with the material it it has to be there, and and I believe. You know, and and I and I always say, you know, with like, for example, Storm Lake, you know, Jerry, that connection that he had to that place was not without deep meaning. So, yeah,
1: and that that made the film. But then you as a team embracing the uncertainty and it, (laughs) it is that I mean, you're you're not just a filmmaker, you're 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 a professor as well. So is this is this some of what you teach to to your students is is sort of embracing this sense of uncertainty that because in listening to you, it sounded like it sounded like that's really the genius of the film is being Mm. willing to jump on the roller coaster with your subject and say, we're going for the ride with you. We're not sure where it's going to end. Yeah. We're going for the ride with you. Is is that the genius of of documentary filmmaking?
0: Is that uncertainty? I I think so. Right. And who doesn't like a good surprise? (laughs) Surprises are good for storytelling, you know. The twist is really important. So yeah, I, I think it's really important for the storytelling. And um, and you know, I always say, I mean, well, what's hard is sometimes things that, is, that are hard for the subjects of the film can almost make the film better. Did any of us want COVID to happen? No. But COVID brought all the issues that was the, that Storm Lake as a, as a town was struggling with. Immigration, safety of meatpacking workers, um, the health of the democracy, the health, health of the newspaper. All of the themes actually that we were building kind of came together with COVID. So, um so yeah I think those unexpected moments are 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 really um important and and that's what life is right like dealing like we all we all we all have to well you know the phrase you have to deal with whatever comes your way
1: it's it, it's totally true is that what's different about documentary filmmakers yeah. than than like you know regular narrative filmmakers where you kind of and and that's not without its difficulties either, and its uncertainties. But but this is the uncertainty of the story of like, do we have an ending? Well, we don't have an ending yet. But we're hoping that we're going to have an ending at some point. That something's going to happen that's going to make this work. And that journey doesn't really it doesn't really end just with the, with the filming or with the editing. I mean, this is beforehand this is afterwards, this is getting into festivals. Have you had, I mean, even just on the festival side, have you had like your greatest experience with the festival? You're like, oh, we've emerged. Like we we, we are born now, this is great. And then the ones that are, I mean, I know we had one with, with my documentary film where they actually showed the screener at the at the festival, which had, two minutes, five minutes of like blank screen of something that was going to be put in there. It wasn't color corrected. We had a fire alarm go off in the middle of of the screening. I mean, I thought my director was going to die like right there on the spot. I mean, it was just, it was- the worst. It was absolutely amazing. Right, but, it, but it's but this insert, uncertainty for you is something that that is completely ongoing. What are what are those experiences like? Like you're like I finished the film, and it's like okay, you're almost halfway there, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's a really long journey. You know, when I'm, you know, when you're making the film, I mean, and that this is something that I do say to my students is. There is no script in a documentary film, so there might be a script if you're Ken Burns and you're doing a thoroughly, you know, uh, historical film, and of course that changes with interviews and all that stuff. Um, but there is no script in verité documentary filmmaking, which is what I really love about it. And then, yeah, you just you never know how it's going to go once the film is out in the world. In the case of Storm Lake, what's been so interesting is we had a plan to do an impact campaign. From release in June of 2021 until broadcast, um, which was in November of 2021. And the film has had such a rich life and has now been embraced by different organizations. And it's part of a news literacy program nationwide now. And so our impact campaign is now budgeted to go through November of 2022. So what was supposed to be a six month impact campaign is turned into an 18-month um, impact campaign, and there are so many surprises along the way. I mean, you know, I guess I would just, and what's so interesting, I would actually say, because you and I connected in the state of Vermont, is that Vermont, probably two of our most powerful screenings were in Vermont. So the film played at the Middlebury New film, like, Filmmakers Film Festival, Riva long relationship and we brought art out and it was his first time seeing the film on the big screen and I sat next to art
1: and where did and it show like
0: at, at town hall
1: town hall okay, okay. yeah
0: um and uh, we were the opening night film thank you uh, Lloyd uh who programs at film festival so uh so anyway art cried from start to finish I mean from the moment that, so so there's this, you know, he kind of gives off this impression perhaps that he's impenetrable or, you know, really in his head or whatever. But
1: yeah, yeah, and crusty,
0: crusty, and he, I I sat next to him and he cried from beginning to end. Um, So that was really moving.
1: And did you Uh, ask him why, why he cried from beginning to end?
0: He was just so moved, he just couldn't believe it. He was just so moved. Um that
1: it made it to the screen that people were watching.
0: Yeah, and to see it on a big screen. And then and then the other screening that was so incredible was that through this very same film festival, actually, they do a winter tour. And so I can't remember if I did five screenings in four days or seven screenings or four days. But anyway, I was driving all around the state during this crazy. Uh, snowstorm like the worst snowstorm of the year i'm in burlington vermont and i had to get to actually um southern vermont and so lloyd lives in california though is runs this festival um that is in vermont and lloyd's like just drive beth and i'm like i'm gonna die you have no idea how bad the driving conditions are i'm a new yorker now i don't drive like i used to he's like just make it just keep going south it's gonna get better it's gonna get better so anyway, I just want to share. So, as a result of this tour, we screened the film in Woodstock, Vermont, and uh, I was coming from a screening in Rutland. I was late, and as I'm pulling into the screening location in Woodstock, I see people filtering out of a building, and I'm like, "Oh my God, they're they're leaving," and I'm supposed to be there for a Q and A. And so I get to you know park the car, sprint to the to the to where the people are falling out from. I said, is this where the movie theater is? Because <laughs> it was in a sort of an arts complex. And I leave on stage. And as I said, we do these screenings and partnerships with local newspapers. And so uh, Woodstock's local newspaper is the Vermont Standard and its editor, uh, this guy named Phil Stamp, I think it's Phil Stamp. He is sitting on the stage with Jay Craven, who's also involved with the Middlebury New Filmmakers Film Festival. Actually, he might be the artistic director. But um, so I leap on stage with Jay and Phil with the local newspaper. And Phil says, and and it's a packed house. So some people had left. So it was a sold out screening in February. And Phil says, I just want everyone to know that I've watched this movie four times, and I've taken notes. And he pulled out pages of notes. And he said, because the Cullens have figured out how to make this business model work, and we haven't. Now, the local newspaper in Woodstock is the Vermont Standard. It's been around for 150 years. It's Vermont's oldest newspaper. And Phil goes on to say, he said, I don't know what to say, but this film talks about how one in four newspapers have died in the last 15 years. And he said, We're dying. He said, I'm losing thousands of dollars a week and I can't keep going like this. And if things don't change, there isn't going to be a newspaper in Woodstock, Vermont. And this is exactly one of those moments. He went on for a little bit more. And I said, if I, if nobody asks me a single question. And this facilitates a dialogue between you, Phil, and this community. Please don't ask me any questions because the community had no idea that the newspaper was in trouble. And so what ended up happening was this hour-long discussion where the community stepped forward and said, how do we help you? What do we do? And in this country, what people don't realize is that, you know, we have a system for supporting your local public radio. We have a system for supporting your local public television station, but people don't think about supporting their local newspaper. And and so what happened was this incredible conversation and we stayed in touch with Phil for a while and just this week I was thinking I need to circle back, but how is the paper doing? Have they figured out a way that the community can help support the paper to ensure its survival? And so that was, you know, those are those moments where when you're tired and you've been on the road, you know, it's a privilege. But you're also tired, and then you're like, "Wow, you know, like this this is this is worth it." And and those are those, you know, distribution um, surprises and festival circuits. You know, th- those count for me as 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 two, you know, really special moments.
1: Well, you're making a difference on a granular level, right? I mean, it really is. You see the people, right, getting impacted by the film,
0: right. And for me, I just want to say, I don't always want to make impact films. I mean, really the, what, I, what I go into this for is I just want to make good movies. Um, but I do think good movies do have an impact in some way, whether they have an emotional impact or somebody sees themselves in that story in some way, or it sparks a larger conversation. So this film has had sort of a more kind of explicit, articulated impact. An impact campaign, um, but uh, you know, I, I'm just really interested in what are stories that really touch people and show them something that they never thought about or 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 have never seen before in that way um, on screen. Like that's what I that's what I I go for.
1: It's interesting. I heard Jerry Seinfeld talk about that in terms of comedy, but some people go for like the global, the political comedy. That this this stuff. And he said what he really likes is something really small that, that I haven't seen in that way and and show it to me in in a way that I actually see it and where, where I had missed it before. And, and it's similar for you. So does that mean like in terms of your career arc, is that how it keeps working In, in terms of the idea of like trying to tell that story better or trying to trying to give the story it's due like each story it's due or is it like I'm, I'm accumulating these skills I'm amassing these skills and I want to be able to tell this story eventually how, how how do you think about sort of the is there a career arc is there not a career arc for you there a white <laughs> that, whale out that's, there? The,
0: that's the big question right now I mean, I, I, for better or worse, I'm drawn to really human stories. I feel like when you tell those intimate human stories, they inevitably speak to larger truths. And so I, I am interested in going deep and, um, and, you know, I don't necessarily uh, go for the big, you know, celebrity story, or like the true crime story, which is, you know, the huge genre right now. So in terms of career arc, I I really like telling these human stories. Um, It's working out, whether it's the best thing for my longevity and career, you know, we shall see. But, um, you know, but I, I, it's all, it's all going, it's all going pretty well so far but uh, that is definitely where my, my heart, my, my heart is. And, and I try to make business sense out of it.
1: To make business sense out of your heart. And the thing is too, that you have been in this business for a while now. Yeah. Is there that moment where you go, I'm still here. Like I remember watching, I mean, it was the, like the Rolling Stones documentary, like, uh like the Scorsese Rolling Stones documentary and, and I forget it was early 60s or whatever. And they had just come out with an album. I can't remember which album it was. And and the interviewer, you know, asked Nick and said, Well, what does this mean? He's like, Well, I think this means that we'll be around for another couple of years. And and this is that kind of business where you're like, I think I can be around for a couple of years. And then maybe, but this has been a couple of decades now for yeah. you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. It does seem to be my calling. Um, you know, people in the in the documentary film world, I, I call them my tribe. They really are. They're, it's such an incredible community. And I'm really invested in the future of the field. It is a tough field and um, and it has a lot of issues too. So it's sort of I describe it as a wild West. you know, there are no there are very few standards, very few best practices. Um, so actually I, I'm, I, I co-founded an organization called, the Documentary Producers Alliance, and we work to help secure the health and welfare of the field uh, for producers and the field at large. And, you know, so I just hope that the stories live on for a long time. And then, yeah, like, you know, who knows how long we'll do anything, you know, but I would also like to leave the field um, in in better shape than I found it. And um, so that's kind of what I'm I'm working on too. That's my other form of activism. So maybe there's more of an activist in me than I realize. (laughs) And I've certainly, and that has been actually a big, when you talk about arc is my, that, that is as my, as I've matured, or maybe because I have children or, you know, I don't know what the chemistry has been, but I've certainly found more of an, an inner activist and and so uh, I'm I'm trying to hold that while I I hold the movie making at the same time. So that that's been interesting. Maybe it's just sort of the crisis we're in, you know. But,
1: right. Yeah. Because sometimes it seems like the 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 cost of doing business is that it's so difficult, right? To the cost of of making a great movie and saying something that is that is really meaningful is that you have to struggle. In order to do it, that you have to sacrifice in order to do it, and it sounds like the activism that you're talking about is trying to trying to minimize that uncertainty while you're able to celebrate the uh, the uncertainty of the film.
0: Totally, I mean, our field is completely defined by uncertainty, and so it makes it really unsustainable for for people. And look, and like one thing we haven't talked about at all, which I'll just add. What people don't realize is like, when you're making a documentary film, many times you are fundraising as you are going or you don't have the money, you are laying down the tracks as the train is moving at the very same time. And then you're always having to make these calculations. Well, can we do X, Y or Z? Do we have the cash flow? Do we have the money? Where are we going to get the money to do what we need to do? And, you know, so, and then also, and I have to pay my bills at the same time. <laughs> and so, you know, so yeah, so it's, it's a very, there's, it's so speculative. It's a very, um, you know, uncertain business uh, because also you're grappling with reality. You know, this is all now coming full circle because there is no script. You know, you don't know how your story is going to end. You don't know how strong it's going to be in the end. So, you know, uh, yeah. so. Uh, all to say, it's a it's a it's a complex journey, and there's so much uncertainty. And clearly, that's something I'm drawn to, and yet uh, also trying to make sense of it, like sort of through through the activism in some ways.
1: Which is amazing. I mean, it's great to see you doing that, but then also it seems like you have so many balls in the air where, You're finishing the 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 storm lake, and then you have a film in in Sundance, and then you have a new project that you're working on. It's a perpetual churn though, too, isn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah. And it has to all be very well timed, which is also really hard to uh, envision often anticipate, you know, what the what the correct timing is or needs to be. Yeah. Because you don't know if a film is gonna have to stop for a little while. Like, you know, this film that I'm talking about that we've been making for 10 years. It was supposed to be done three years ago. <laughs> so anyway, there's a lot of uh, it's, it's speculative, it's uncertain, it's unpredictable, both from a creative standpoint and from a uh, business and and uh, cash flow standpoint. So yes, so uh, yeah, back to I try to align, align my heart with a good business sense, and it, you know, it, it's it's a, they, those two things have aligned so far, but it can, can be tricky.
1: We'll get you out on this one. What's the story that you tell your kids about what you do?
0: Well, you know, my kids are 15 and 17, so they've seen a lot of my movies. So I think they kind of get it. But what's really interesting is I was approached uh, earlier this week about actually doing a uh, fiction short uh, that uh, and with someone that I've known for years and years and years. And and I said, what's the budget? And she sent me this email, like this messy email of numbers. And I was like, oh, my God, that's not a budget. And I know she's more of a creative. And so I decided, you know, to open up my budget template and start throwing in numbers. And, you know, it was just sort of fun for me. Just, you know, it's a very small, you know, not a small, well, it'd be like a, you know, nine minute film, two actors. Um, And so I pulled together this budget and my, my son was, kind of go, I was in the kitchen and he was going in and out of his bedroom in the kitchen. then he said, mom, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm doing a budget. I just thought I'd help out a friend and just do a quick back of the napkin budget. And he said, can I see? And so he came and he looked at my computer and he, he was like, and he'd been asking me lately, like, how do you get paid (laughs) when you raise this money? Does it all go to you? Why doesn't it all go to you? So anyway, I said, here's the budget. And he said, you know how to do that? And I said, yeah, this is something that I do. And he started asking me questions about the line items and how I knew the rate, like how I, how I knew what the, D, the DP line should be and all this stuff. So for me, it was, see, he said, you're amazing. <laughs> so after all these years of take, dragging them to my movies and then saying, we don't wanna go or whatever, Here I am sitting at the kitchen table doing a budget and I earn my kids respect. So I thought that was pretty exciting.
1: That's a major victory.
0: Major victory. Yeah. It was pretty exciting actually. Especially with
1: teenagers. (laughs) Yeah. You're earning a teenage teenage son's respect. I mean, you've really done it.
0: Teenage props. So, yeah. So what is funny is that, you know, most people, you know, out there in the world don't know what documentary producers do. Um, many people in the field don't even understand necessarily what a producer do. Actually, they think we just do the budget and raise money. I mean, it's so much more than that. Um, So, uh, but this was one moment where I felt like my younger son understood, Oh, okay. Like she does that thing. She, she gets it on the big screen, you know, and then, Oh, she does this thing too. Or like, she can do math. She was like, he was like, you know, Excel formulas. And I was like, yeah.
1: Which is great. That is awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah,
1: You're wearing many hats as a producer. I mean, it's all keeping, keeping everything moving.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's good. It's good fun.
1: Well, good. Well, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a total pleasure.
0: Thank you, Chris. This was awesome. I really enjoyed it. And I felt like you're a really good listener.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Well, that's, that's the highest compliment that you can pay me. That's great.
0: (laughs) All right. Awesome. Thanks so much
1: you're welcome thank you and thank you to all of you for uh, for tuning in we really appreciate it we hope that you've enjoyed it if you have please tell your friends please like us please follow us and we will come back with another great story so we'll look forward to seeing you soon thank you thank you for joining us please subscribe to chris wideo living it for more stories on the adaptive community the paralympics artists athletes entrepreneurs experts in the experience of being human Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.